Hail, hail. Good evening, folks, and welcome along to the latest episode of the Endless Silks podcast. Slightly later than our usual eight o'clock kickoff tonight. Thanks to Stephen for pushing it back half an hour. <laughs> um, just back from a laddies football match. So, uh, yeah, we're a little bit later than normal tonight, but welcome along to all the usual viewers and uh, commenters and subscribers. Uh, coming up in the show tonight, we'll be looking back at our match against Norwich at the weekend, kind of touching on our full pre-season tour and, of course, paying tribute on the 25th anniversary of Henrik Larsson signing. We'll maybe touch upon our, uh, the great man's legacy at Celtic. And to discuss all that and more, I'm joined by our usual captain of the show, Stephen. We'll swap chairs tonight. You're a guest this evening. How are you? I'm fine, man. Looking forward to this one. As you said, they talk about Henry Larson as well. It's going to be a good podcast. Like, And also, again, there is people in the comments already. Egyptian King, Paul Diet, Kevin 14, Kenny McCardle, Williams in, Kaiser's in as well. So great to have you along too. Welcome along, guys. Always good to see you and get involved in the chat. Stephen will be bringing up all the, all the comments and stuff tonight as well. And not only that, the, the other half of the famous deadly duo on <laughs> Endless Silks. Stephen and Franco are reunited. I feel like I'm caught in the middle of a big Celtic loving between you two. How are you doing, Franco? I'm doing good, Anthony. Doing good. Just obviously got to see the game at the weekend, courtesy of yourself, giving me your tickets and stuff. My ten my Rangers supporting daughter, four year old to the game and that she she's coming round. She she wanted to buy a scarf and she did shout Norwich a couple of times, but but, but progress. It's progress. It's so it's, son. Like, once she sees the, the bright lights of the big the big uh, arena, there's only one uh, place. I'm sure she'll be back at Celtic Park more than once in the next wee while. Um, I'm glad you've enjoyed the uh, glad you've enjoyed the day out. Uh, yeah, the, the heart's top demoted again. You're always going to get it, Stephen, when that one comes up. <laughs> uh, just before we um, move on to the um, the Norwich game and we you know, discuss the legacy of Henrik Larsson at Celtic, we've got transfer news today. Um, I'm maybe going to do a classic Stephen and pronounce the guy's names wrong, but um, we've signed a, a young uh, centre-half slash defensive midfielder on a permanent deal, believe it or not, for West Ham. Um, his name's Justin, it's either Osagi or Osagi, I, I, I'm, I'm not um, strictly sure, um, I've not listened to the news yet to find out the correct pronunciation, it's been a bit of a crazy day, but um, yeah, Stephen, that's a young prospect in the door, we know you like it when Celtic <laughs> sign youth players, we're probably going to sell them in three years time, but you know, glad to have another body in the door. I mean, it's all for, for future planners, it's probably going to, going to be primarily for the B team and McManus and O'Day will figure that player out and see if he's cut for the first team and it's interesting to see he's like the same position as uh, Lowell the, the defender oh. who, who got a chance during pre-season so I don't know if that means he's going to move on to maybe a championship club or a lower, lower kind of level SPL club just to get minutes in his legs and a low move and then potentially see him move up to the first team next year but all in all I mean when you're sending prospects from down in England and they look down on us as a, a backwater league so it's great to get one of their talents come to us for for the time being, instead of one of ours jumping ship. That's it. There's been a few going the other way um, in recent times, Franco. So, yeah, getting um, someone up. And if what I've read so far, he's very highly rated as well. Um, do you see that being a, the sort of, as Stephen says, a sort of prospect sign? I mean, no one's expecting him to break into, you know, the the, the back, the, you know, the defence or into the mid, or midfield anytime soon, but potentially one for the future. Potentially, we'll never know. Well, I say we'll never know. We'll know maybe three years down the line if it's got to be one for the future. But I think it's long term, it's good to see. It's obvious you're hoping Ange's had an influence on the signing because so get the B team playing like the first team, similar style of playing and stuff. So hopefully that, that progression, the the path to the first team that. <laughs> uh, Very true. That, path, that pathway to the first team hopefully is made a wee bit easier and stuff like that and just if you're signing play if I'm just signing players for the B team because I think it's, it was one of the things they said when he came in early doors that we really need to start looking at the structure of the youth set up and things and try and make make it easier and get them playing the same way as how the first team plays. I, I imagine many top clubs will do it but yeah I th- ask me ask me in about three years time because I think of about two months time we'll have forgot about the boys sadly 
I think on the same token, Anthony, to be fair, that J- Jeremy Frimpong, no one expected him to burst onto the mm. scene when he first signed for us. So you never know, this fellow could have something exactly. about him in two, two, two or three months' time, someone could be injured, he could fill in. It, it happens exactly. in weird circumstances sometimes, but as you I said, Franny... a great example, mate. Yeah, we'll so, give so it true. Stranger things are happening, mate. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, anyway, welcome to the club, Justin. And uh, yeah, here's hoping uh, he goes on to make make a name for himself in the green and white hoops. Uh, to see a few more evening posts coming in. Welcome mm. along to all the guys. And uh, right, well, let's get started with some of the main topics then. Um, Frank, I'll come to yourself first since you were able to give us a first hand account. Of uh, the action from Saturday, I was uh, too busy sitting out in my big brother's back garden, getting mm-hmm. absolutely melted for his birthday celebrations. Um, but for all accounts, decent last run out before the the real action starts on Saturday against Norwich. I thought it was another sort of a step up in class. Norwich looked better than Blackburn. I thought that you can see they're obviously an ex uh, APL team in that they they play they do like to play that. Todd Cat, uh, Cantwell, is it Cantwell you say his oh, name? Oh, he's a good player. He, he's he's obviously kind of rated him a wee bit on the telly, but seeing him, seeing him first hand, he's, he's a real player. But I think Celtic, again, just passed the ball great. It was, it. It was kind of perfect team for Celtic because they they obviously like to press high play and nice wee short passes. But so it was the game wasn't open, open, but there was plenty of spaces, plenty of movement. So I think it was just the perfect test for us just to to finish off the, the pre-season. It was, it was good to see, obviously, in the second half, I, th- I think it was like a full full quarter of changes. Uh, I think it was, was it 11 players? Did we actually, did, I can't yeah. remember if Hart got changed over. Honestly, I can't remember if he got changed, but it was 10 or 11 anyway. Every outfield player got changed and mm-hmm. sometimes you see a wee bit of drop-off, but obviously there, there wasn't a great, great drop-off, but uh, it, was, it was good to see, I think, Obviously, we'll touch on it later, but I think that'll be close, if not the starting lineup for next for uh, Aberdeen Norton Day. But uh, it was it's a good test. It seems to be a good way we've done preseason. The classes sort of uh, stepped up each uh, each game and stuff, so it was a good way to end it. Nice one. Um, well, Stephen, I'm going to have to obviously come to yourself because I know there'll be one thing you were praising that you'll be uh, thanking the Lord for. We kept a clean sheet in preseason. <laughs> Do you feel a lot more calmer now with the real action just around the corner as you were on Friday night? I think what Franny said was bang on. Like, I mean, Norwich were a step up in class. It looked, as you said, better than Blackburn. It was good to see the likes of Pookie back at Celtic Park where he kind of failed to make his name, but it probably was down to management and the styles of play and things like that. But again, I thought we played well. Joe Hart on the on that byline, on, on the halfway line most times now, it's <laughs> giving me a heart attack. But if Postacoglu sees it like that, that's how he sees it. And, I think when you're coming towards the end of the pre-season, you have to start getting results in your favour. I know we're a bit sticky before like losing two goals from stilly positions, but you have to put that down to changes. I know off-the-cuff reactions from myself sometimes get lost in translation of what I'm tra- actually trying to say. But in, in regards, it's heartening that we kept a clean seat, especially without Starfelt. And I know we'll probably touch upon Jens and players like that who've come in and things, but it, it was great to see. I thought that they cope well. And they had some quality players, like Todd Cantwell. That's one player I've always watched and thought he, he's a cracker. He can make the step up to a bigger team. They've got that uh, fellow the same. Sutton was talking about him like for £12, £13 million. Pounds. He didn't quite make it in the, the Premier League final, but he looked good against us. And just players who would give us a real test. And I think in terms of the actual contest itself, I think Paul nails it. Uh, much more like a friendly, not as intense. So you got to see patterns of play a bit more and how Celtic will shape up. And all in all, a clean sheet, a win and a paradise. Love it. <laughs> so good. Um, I think one of the things that I was um, you know, reading the, the, that post-match reports, Franco was uh, the Norwich City manager, Dean Smith. He was uh, really praiseworthy. He Ange Postacoglu and, you know, the you know the, the pressing system and the way that they were trying to play the game. Um, I mean, he, he, he waxed lyrical so much that even uh, the mainstream press had to report it and actually give us some decent headlines, you know, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, it doesn't happen every day. But, um, yeah, so, you know, and, you know, Dean Smith, you know, very intelligent football manager um, as well. Um, bodes well for the season ahead. I, it does. It's, it's a great, like I'd said uh, the other week when I was last on the podcast, like pre-season, it's, it's a hard look because you can't judge too much on pre-season because of their squad, is night and day compared to where it was this time last season. Result-wise, and I think performance-wise, we didn't have a great uh, pre-season, but 
we're still went on the one leg, but you can see the way Ange obviously sets his team out to play how he wants to how he wants to play going forward. It's it is playing that high intensity football. I think it's interesting. I don't know if fans points to Kogo had any say on who we played, but I, I thought the the standard uh, opposition was was telling. It was, it was almost like the European games we would maybe have, mm-hmm. uh, like the qualifiers. It was that kind of they kind of team. So it's it's just good prep. Uh, it's, it all bodes well. Like undefeated as well. I think it was of the two wins and the rest draws, but. It was it was good. Everybody got good minutes in the leg, and the new boys look look no bad, no bad captures I as think, well. I think the way you said about um the whole the, the scenario about playing these teams, I think Paul Sacoli said himself one of his first press conferences in preseason that he wanted to build that intensity, feeling like we're playing in Europe, going away to um Vienna, leg of Warsaw, them intimidating atmosphere. So again, I think it's it bodes well for the season. You you reference our Dean Smith saying that. I see see comments from English Premier League managers. I couldn't give a shit because we shouldn't <laughs> be we shouldn't be milking the teats asking for praise. We should be our own club or standing on our own two feet. I don't care what Dean Smith says. To be honest, yes, he's a great manager and all in the, his own respect. But about Celtic, I don't care if he says we're the best team in the world. We're Celtic football club and we play like that, and that's Posta Coldly. Oh well, I'm for that. For that was a no bad question, but there you go. <laughs> there you go. I was, I was, I was, I was very much a returning volley of a reply, but there you go. Uh, touch on the goals. Um, I like just uh, the, the two goals that we scored. The first one, you know, more than a hint of offside. We have to, we have to um, agree. But um, I thought it was a great wee but instinctive turn from uh, Maeda to to put it in the net. There will always be the sort of Dennis Bergkamp against Newcastle. Did he mean it or did he not? But certainly for the replays that I've seen, it looked very much, Stephen, like it was um, like it was meant. And uh, they all count. We'll take it. I 100%. You're, you're right, like, when you say that we better all say Because I, I don't know if it was like a debate I've had off Hanley's toe because him mm-hmm. and um, O'Reilly went for it. So, I mean, VAR obviously wasn't in practice then and the Norwich City players getting on like they lost the World Cup. I mean, run up the referee and all. But, Again, the whip in from Ranovitz and that take from uh, Mieta was fantastic. It's a bit like, remember Dembele done the, the back heel, ah, back heel finish? And Mieta just took away. I didn't expect him to do something like that because usually his first touch can be a bit skew with, but he, he absolutely smashed it in. Like, and I just want to point to the, the comments as well. There's people, Kenny McCardle's here again, Alistair Jack. They're all t- they're all re- the hot topic here is Jens. There's people <laughs> comparing him to Van Dyke, but we'll get on to that later, I'm sure. And then... The likes of Rio Hotate is getting the mention as well, and it's it's just one of them one of them things. Like so many players and so many positives, and we're in a great space. Like from if you look at last season when we were in preseason, it was like ah oh, here we go again. And as you said, but Patsy was still won the league in that. But Postecoglou's built this, and the the praise that man deserves is incredible. And like moving on going forward, and just I'm, I'm so excited to see what we're going to do this season. I'm buzzing. Certainly, you're looking very, very chirpy for a Monday night, Stephen. It's always <laughs> good to and in a, in a happy mood. But uh, Franco, for the for the second goal as well, I, I felt um, it was great footwork um, for David Turnbull. You know, he, he sort of latched on a, a poor pass from the from the Norwich City player, and um, turned one way, then the other. It was great footwork, and then putting that sh- sort of shot low into the far corner. Um, you had a good view of it from where you were sitting. I, I did, Anthony. It was good. Like. <laughs> It was just sort of a high press again in the second half, even after all the changes. But uh, it was also like a badder Jack and Marcus and Tumble sort of doing that press in a wee triangle, and it forces forces there, and Jack and Marcus pounces on it and just plays into Tumble, and that was a calm, composed, just like you said, just shifted it to the side and side footed into the bottom corner. It was a really, really good finish for Tumble, who. Uh, I think it reminded a lot of folk how how good a player he actually is, and. I mean, I didn't want to lose him, but when the sort of 10, 12 million pound was getting bandied about for him, obviously it's, it's rumours we don't know Bang how true it is. Mm-hmm. Hi, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. I was just going to say, like, the 10, 12 million pound, I would have potentially took it, but I think not just off the back of well, maybe just off the back of that goal, but it reminded me that guys actually has a really, really good player. And yep. if I appreciate 10, 12 million is good money, but have we really got to recoup that sort of player? And it's it's a Scottish player. Well, you'll like seeing Scottish players and uh, and the team doing well. So, nah, I, th- I hope I hope he stays. I said the rumours 
they've really died down. Not nothing, nothing ever seemed to be in them. But I think a really, really smart finish with Tumble, composed finish. And I think it reminded all the folk, myself a bit included, that boys that's a decent, decent player. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And Stephen, staying with sort of David Turnbull, I think Franco's sort of hit the nail on the head there about the fact that he's just reminded um, a few guys just that how good a player he is. For me, he's brought so much different levels to his game. Um, even for this time last year, you know, when he, when he broke into the, the team eventually and under Lenny, uh, obviously in the, the, the COVID season when things were, he was a, one of the few bright lights, but he did sort of fade away, I felt. And then when about this time last season, he sort of came back into the team again. I felt he was looking a little bit lightweight, especially when we lost to Ibrox. Um, it was one of the, it almost felt like the game got away from him. But I have to say, and up until he got injured in the cup final and upon his return, he's um, he's just kept reminding everyone that he's uh, got a big part to play. And I think if he can continue this kind of form into the start of the season, um, there's every chance that he could be featuring more often than not. Yeah, 100% agree. Before I say mine, I mean, the comments are going mad for him. Egyptian King, Turnbull is definitely playing with more confidence. Kevin 14, another member of the, of the channel, by the way, thanks for that. I always said when Turnbull got in the team, he would never be out of it. He rates him so highly. Kenny McCarroll going as far back, watching his comeback story at Mullerville. It's, he is. I, I totally agree with what you're saying because when you looked at him in that season, in the COVID season, I had nothing to cling on to. And funny enough, Sorrow was one of them bright sparks as well. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all like, yes, this guy's the defensive midfielder. He's the Kante and all this here. But Turnbull's kept it. And I 100% agree. He tailed off. And that, that was probably to be expected because there was a lot of pressure on him at that time. And he was the only one carrying the team, scoring goals, taking responsibility and helping the team out in, in that type of environment. But when, since Postacolu's come in, bar his injury, his, he's been good up. His levels have been good up. He takes the ball in spaces. You'd be like, well, what, what are you doing? He gets away with it in tight corners. He can pass it. Maybe the only thing lacking speed. I'm big in speed, you know that. But mm-hmm. if if all these players are playing to the top of their levels, like he's going to push Hatate. Hatate's going to push him. O'Reilly and him are going to be fighting for number 10. So these guys have to be on on it and training because Posse Coldly always says he picks players and training performances, not what's gone on previously. So he needs to be bang on it every week. And then just for example, if Turnbull doesn't start and he comes in, he scores a goal, he'll always contribute to the team. And I'm so glad these transfer rumours have went away because we need to keep him and as many and as many good good midfielders as we can because he's an absolute baller and he that goal against Norwich, I mean the footwork inside the box, just calm, composed, bang. Bottom left corner, simple as that. He barely even celebrated because he just he was like easy. <laughs> it always, it, it, I like it. He always seems to have hundreds of time in the ball. I feel like it never yeah. seems to never seems to worry when he's on the ball. And he always just seems to feel like he's got a lot of time and does can has got it in him. He control the pace of a game. Yeah, he does, and it, and it's quite rare for for a Scottish player. I know that doesn't yeah. sounds a bit condescending, but there's. There's not many, even in this current, you know, decent wee patch of um, forum that the, the national team are in. It, it, you know, you can maybe argue Stuart Armstrong, but he's a different kind of player. But I, I do agree, absolutely, Franco. He always looks like he's he doesn't panic on the ball, which is a, which is definitely a great um, attribute to have. And but yeah, like you say, fingers crossed. He um, he features a lot for us this season and uh, keeps all those detractors and uh, or potential yeah. suitors in England. At arm's length, but um, just before, just to round off on on the Norwich um, performance, Stephen, one other player we have quickly mentioned him there, but I want to go back um, because it was, by all accounts, a standout man in the match performance. He's probably been the outfield player um, of the preseason tour so far. I'm talking about Rio Hatati. Um, We've said it since he came in. We talked about it a little bit on Friday night. He just seems to be getting back to that, showing that kind of form that he did when he first came in. Um, he seems to have benefited from having a bit of a, a break over the summer, and he looks raring to go. Oh, he's 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 incredible! Like he is. See see how silky he is in the ball. He just uses his physique to get by players. He can turn in tight spaces. He can run as well. He's got great like bursts of speed and. He can score a good goal. We all know that. I think that one of the things I love is the fact he done them um, blogs and stuff in Japan. He, he does these w- monthly, weekly um, things telling them how the journey's going and let the papers, the usual, misquote him saying he's unsettled, he's homesick, he wants to go back home. But again, that's not what we, what he was saying. He was saying when he gets a full preseason, 
when he gets his rest, when he gets his routine with Posta Coglu and the team, it's coming to fruition. I know it's pre-season. I know we can't get too carried away, but he's made Blackburn look easy. He's made Norris look easy. And it's the level of this player. I mean, Dan Orr had said it when we had him on for one of our Sunday level episodes. He's the guy with the highest ceiling in terms of transfer value, sell-ons and things. And you can see it. He has it all. I mean, he played left-back numerous times for his previous club. He can play in the number eight role, number 10 role, probably deep line playmaker as well. He's just fantastic. His range of passing is sublime. And that pass he done for Mieta and for the goal against Legia was cracking. He just whipped it and just a touch from Mieta took it in. That's all he needed. If he keeps going, I think William alluded to it. If it's Kalmak, Hatate and O'Reilly, that is frightening. And then you've got mm. Turnbull and all that come into that. That's frightening. That's it. I mean... He, he, he did it. He's turned on the style pretty much all pre-season, Franco. But as we touched on there, it was quite a, a special performance by all accounts on Saturday. Um, are you quite eager to see him do something similar against the likes of a, a Real Madrid or a Liverpool? Fingers crossed. Oh, I, like on Saturday, I was uh, I was really really impressed. Him. I tried to keep a. You obviously at the game and well, even watch it. You you notice players that are really on it. So I thought if we kind of focused. A wee bit on, a wee bit on him on Saturday. And he was just every time he was taking a ball in the half turn, we drop his shoulder. I don't think it it got away from his man every time. And again, similar like Tumble was taking it in tight spots and then just going away and just starting sort of the attacks and breaking away. And like Stephen was saying, he was he's playing big diagonals out to Jot and stuff, which I think we needed. I think it, it spells last season teams kind of. I wouldn't say the sisters out, but I think we maybe moved it slightly slower in games and weren't getting the ball out wide quicker. And that's what we need to do: is just miss, miss, miss a few players out. It doesn't need to take three passes to get to get it to Hatati or McGregor and get it out. But I think as long as he doesn't take the the mouth guard out, I think that's maybe just giving him some extra powers in there. I don't know if there's maybe stuff in that. I don't. I really didn't again. But as Calmac, I was getting worried when. Calmack, that's the, the face mask, but I think we're in good hands with the gum shield. And by the way, I, I don't know how, why the guys at the Celtic marketing didn't just say, listen, Calmack, go and keep wearing the mask, keep wearing uh-huh. the gum shield, Rio, and we'll just sell hundreds of replicas in the Superstore. <laughs> it's a money-making idea. Uh-huh. But yeah, I think that's... Um, Sean Flanagan brought up a good point there, um, Stephen, just regarding the squad rotation, and you know he's just sort of... Manchester, we, we need to keep up. We, we play at such a high intensity, you know, this, this pressing game. But perhaps with the, a lot of the rotation, the potential issue is that you, you maybe have that drop-off in intensity. But I, I think we kind of touched on that on Friday night as well, that we, we seem to be having, it's a similar kind of setup with, with, with all the players at the moment as to what um, Klopp has with his, with his Liverpool team. You know, there's a lot of, just with the, the sheer intensity they play it and the number of games they play, that you know they can't have the same settled eleven every week. You know those days are, are long gone, especially down I south. Think, but I think when I, I think that all the Liverpool players do know if if somebody has to come in, then then they, they know that they've got to be ready to go. They've got to be match fit. And I think is it some, something you see that um, Andrew's trying to include up here? I think it's it's clear to see he's trying to build the squad capable of rotating and because we're playing Champions League Cup games and the league as well so you, you need that rotation I think some points previously it's kind of hampered us a wee bit in terms of pressing on and <clears throat> we've seen the injuries at the, at the first part of last season hamstrings calves were going we were bringing in like says Stephen Wells albeit he's had a, a good pre-season but you, you don't trying to get that so squad rotation is good I mean Jens who came in the, the new fellow the centre-back got a wee cameo and by all accounts he looked good he, he looked like he covered the ground well he, he could play a pass with purpose which was great to see and he could, I mean, he stuck to what he said in his press conference. He loves finding the game and being creative, and you can kind of tell that about him. Arm Moy coming into it, some, someone I'm still not keen on, to be honest, look miles <laughs> of it. But again, that's a, that's a fitness issue in terms of for him. But I mean, what what a thing the rotation thing. Liverpool do it so well. They bring in players and they know what they need to do. They still were landing like some Milner, who's like 35, 36. He can come in and do a job. So. If we can kind of replicate that, obviously not to that scale before anyone goes blah, 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 he's comparing himself to Liverpool, but if we can get a nice thing going where we can drop a few players out without it unsettling the team and you're replacing it with the same quality, then it's a win-win. Do you know what I mean? That's why I still think there's a couple of issues we need to sort out in the transfer window to keep that kind of fluidity going throughout the team. But I do, yeah, I think you make a great point. That kind of scrub rotation is going to be important, especially up towards the World Cup. 
Yeah, absolutely. We've still got you. The, the Winter World Cup's going to throw up a whole headache of issues. Oh. I mean, and as gutted as we are that, that, that Scotland aren't going, maybe there is that little selfish part you go, well, at least we can wrap the captain up in cotton wool for a month, you know, for the second half of the season. But, of course, we would much rather he was there um, strutting his stuff for, mm-hmm. for Scotland. But you never know. Maybe next time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But Frank, just before um, we move on, actually, I, I should have said I wanted to bring that up just with the, the two new boys. I know they started on the bench, um, but both featured in the second half. What was your sort of early, early thoughts on them? Did they, did they settle in okay? I, f- I was actually quite again pre-season, so you're, you're cautious about how you you judge them. But I thought Yens. Oh, eh. I'll, I'll give a message after this. We'll sort of sort of, that's my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I, Jens, I thought he settled into the match quite quickly and looked good. They all, like, I think, like, like you do when you're, well, we're not really going to know guys that we're, we're going for, like guys like Jens, like you said on Friday, Anthony, I was summer. Never seen the guy play a minute of football. So you just, you <laughs> kind of jump on. Uh, you jump on the YouTube, but get get the clips for there, get get any information you can, and then watching like YouTube for stuff, and then reading some stuff like the French media had slated them, said they can't pass and things like that. But mm-hmm. it was seemed to seem to pass all right, and when his aerial duels, when his battles, all right, and and Saturday, so uh, it was it was a good debut for the guy and positive signs going forward. Moy, I think. Never done anything amazing, but never done anything rubbish. He always was shown for the ball, but I think he's maybe behind a good few weeks behind a lot of folk in his, his sort of pre season. I think he's going to need a few weeks to get up to the pace, but he he played it like a proper pre season friend. I think I've, mm-hmm. it's, the game slowed down a wee bit when the ball got to him, but I, I don't really remember him giving the ball away. He kept, he kept it kind of simple and kept him selling the game that he had a wee chance where he could have shot but I think he just kept the play going but I was I think we'll see the benefits of Moy maybe two three weeks into the season and stuff I think he's it looked like he's just his mark sharpness wasn't quite quite there yet but big ends he looks uh, he's some size of a boy man and if he <laughs> if has the is this working outside man just working outside <laughs> in the sun Catching some rays, Daniel. I think the way you said about the French media, I read all that. I think I said it in the last podcast that we're kind of giving them a hard time. But it brings me back to the whole like, Shane Duffy argument. Certain players suit different teams. Mm-hmm. Like Duffy is a cracking box defender. He would defend for his life, where Jens may be a bit more comfortable on the ball. He wouldn't have had time at Lorient because their bow counts fighting relegation in the French League. So you never know. Let's move a Celtic may kind of revive his career and then We'll see him probably be up there challenging the first choice with Starfelt and, and uh, Carter Vickers. You're hoping that's what it's all about competition for places. Nobody sh- uh, should have their position uh, deemed as safe uh, at a club as big as ours. Um, and it, uh, all these guys competing for a place in the starting 11, the end product of that can only be more success for us on the pitch. So long may that continue, Stephen. Um, so, like we say, it was a sort of pretty much a routine. Run out, 2-0 victory against Norwich. We're not going to make a big deal of it. We're not one of these clubs that think we're world beaters after you win a friendly match. We'll leave that up for the, the small clubs in the city. <laughs> um, and we'll move on. And just to sort of recap, uh, Franco, just with regards to... The, Stephen sort of touched on it um, sort of a few minutes ago, but just this, get your thoughts on... That's, you know, pre-season is now sort of over. It's in the, the rearview mirror. What's been your thoughts on... What, what you've seen so far, do you, are you feeling uh, optimistic for the season ahead? I feel very optimistic. I'm feeling a lot more confident than I was last season going into, going into the campaign anyway, Anthony. But, uh, <laughs> but I, it's, I think I think we can be happy with pre-season. No real serious injuries from it. Obviously, Starfield got injured before it, but everybody's looking sharp. Nobody really looks like they're... Obviously, Moy, but like a wee bit different for him. I've kind of excluded him because he's just in the door, but everybody looks sharp and really looking like they're progressing well. So I've, I'm very optimistic going at the start of the season. Looking, at, we'll get a nice wee run and a nice campaign ahead. All the players look, they all look up for it. I would, I would totally agree. Um, totally agree. It just 
But where that this time a year ago where it was sort of you could see little shoots of um the re- recovery, but obviously it was a massive we were right at the start of this um, rebuild and we we, you know, we didn't think it could possibly have went as good as it has. But um yeah, I mean apart from a few sloppy goals, Stephen, which we, we do have to say, you know, a lot some of the goals we have lost are preventable. But in terms of going forward, in terms of the the, the intensity that we're playing at, even this early um in the year, um we're looking in pretty good shape. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, me and my granddaughter are watching the Norwich game and we were talking to each other and we are like, this pre-season feels so long. And we, we clicked because we no European qualifiers, you know what I mean? Mixed in there with your, with your games against Norwich and Blackburn. And I can't wait to the start of competitive games. But I think you're right. Like, pre-season is always going to be patchy. But again, for us, we'll have to be kind of hypocritical and pick up points at as you said, goals that are preventable and also obviously when we smash teams apart like the first game against uh, that amateur club they must still have a headache thinking about that match but uh, all in all it was great it was good to see other players coming in, the young players getting a chance like Fada um, fe- uh, featured in a couple of games, he looked decent uh, Lowell looked good as well so Summers was in, Anderson was in from the V team and albeit your, the keeper Olawami didn't get a look in but apparently he's meant to be decent so it's all good for up and coming guys as well if they stick at it and play well for the B team this year Postacoglu's made it known that he's going to give people a chance you know what I mean and I think you, you look at it and William said as well massively deep squad compared to last season I totally agree but again I, I will go back to what I think I think we do need a couple more options I know Postacoglu said they're actively in the market and I hope he is and hope they do get a couple more through the door because by all reports Mickey Johnson is maybe leaving alone to uh, standard age with Ronnie Dellia. He's after him. Uh-huh. Stephen Wilson's been subject to a loan move by Udinese or uh, Toulouse. I think it was Toulouse. Udinese. Toulouse. Sorry, it was Udinese, Udinese wanted them in this AI. Ah, yeah, AI. Yeah. So Toulouse are after him. So we don't know the kind of what's going on there. So there's two players out the door. You need to get another squad options in there. So again, all all signs are pointing good going forward for this uh, Aberdeen game coming up and raising the, the league flag <laughs> at Paradise. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. I mean, I I, th- I think um, Vance just touching on the two pot- you know potential um, players going out. Um, you know, Mikey Johnson. We've, we've we've said on here a few times that you know he's 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 injury um, plague almost. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. But do you think that perhaps a loan move for a year under somebody who has played with before and Ronnie Dialis, so somebody he can trust? I think it might have even have been under Ronnie that he sort of first broke into the team um, or at least we would have been coming through the, the ah, sort of youth was, development before breaking in under Brendan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so do you think that perhaps that could potentially get a, just sometimes a change can be as good as a rest and sort of a new environment for him? You know, he's been at the club since, you know, since year zero. Uh, perhaps it, it, it might still be that there could be a future for him uh, there if he goes away and you know, clears his head a little bit. I suppose, I think a lot of us would have probably said that this season was last chance loan, but I think probably said that a few seasons regarding him. But the fact that he's going away in loan maybe gives him that that extra year. Go away, see what you can do. And normally I would, like, I like the idea of us loaning players to SPL teams because that's where we want to see them play. It's, that's, that's, well, that's the level we'll be playing it each week. But I think... This type of move for a guy like Mikey Johnson, who has had had his critics a lot, as like myself included, with Walsh Slatham, maybe just being in a different country, away at the road, a manager he knows has probably got to be great for him. Just look at Jack Kendry. He went away, wasn't he getting the best of time at Celtic, then went away and turned in an £8 million player. So maybe Mikey Johnson can do something similar. If he goes away, has a great campaign, Ideally, he comes back and then he's great for Celtic. But feeling that he maybe maybe make a wee bit of coin at him. But I like to say, Anthony, it's especially when it's one of your own homegrown players. His injury record hasn't been great. I don't know if he suffers with a confidence thing. You look back in that that Lennon thing where Lennon pretty much just told me fuck off and get down the tunnel. Did that? Did that help him out much? Maybe not. But I think it, it's it's a brave decision for. For Mikey Johnson, because he he'll, he'll not be daft either. He he knows times getting on for him to make make his sell. I I don't know. I potentially if he was trying to make breakthrough at Celtic this season and not going on, I would say there's no chance. 
gone away and loan, getting game time, getting confidence, you just never know. He could come back and because there's no doubt he is a good player. When he first came through, he's, he's, he is a, there is a good football player in there. It's just not coming in. And I don't know if it is a confidence thing, injury thing. It's, I, I, obviously, we, we all hope the, the move works out for him because either way, it can benefit Celtic in the long run. That's it. And I think Kaiser makes a good point there as well, Stephen. It might well be the case that, you know, look at what's happened with, with Jota. Um, you know, he's mm-hmm. obviously come out of shell. I think Jota had perhaps a similar sort of experience at um, Benfica, maybe not with injuries, but, you know, he was highly rated by a lot of their supporters, but he just couldn't break into the side. Um, and he's came away, and that's been, you know, we very much benefited from that. And, you know, he's permanently on the books now. Um it might might not happen out with uh, with Mikey Johnson or Stephen Welsh for that matter. I mean, you know, Stephen's been a little bit more cemented in the team in the COVID season, but he's fell down the pecking order uh, with the likes of Starfelt, uh, CCV, and now and now Yentz coming in as well. Um, do you think a loan move could could work out for Stephen Welsh as well? I mean, just to point out, Alistair Jackham's in here saying they're not away yet, 100%, but rumours were, again, rumours were, str- were strong last night. More on Mikey Johnson's loan move away to standard days. But touching on Mikey first, I think Franny's right. Like When he first broke in, he really excited me. He was playing well. He took players on for fun. Tight spaces again. He, he worked really well in it. And he scored some cracking goals. One against Sarajevo in the, the Champions League qualifying rounds. He smashed them from like 30 yards. It was a cracking goal. And he was a part of the team last season against Hibs, who arguably played the, the best half of football and, and possibly called his first season, that, that 3-0 win at Easter, Easter Road. So there is potential in there. But again, it's the injuries, it's the consistent run he never gets. And when he builds up, he, he twigs something or his ankle goes or his calf gives in and he's out for two or three weeks. And sometimes, I think, remember Maloney used to be injured quite a lot and people used to say it was more mentally and you kind uh, of read that being like, uh, what are you talking about here? And obviously know their bodies, but sometimes it could be. Like they're afraid of going for a challenge, they're afraid to, to strike a ball, they're afraid to take players on. So if Mickey Johnson goes to Belgium, the standard's edge, which funny enough is becoming like Celtic's feeder league, isn't it? Belgium, <laughs> Austin, so I mean, Ostende <laughs> and uh, standard edge. But if he goes where, let, there and does well, fair play to him, he gets a permanent move. I just think his time's gone at Celtic and there's too many ifs and buts about him. and he, No one's ever going to have a clear opinion because it's 50-50. Yes, you're, you want him to do well, but again, do you keep him on the books because you feel sorry for him because he's injured or just let him go and pursue a career elsewhere and hopefully it works out for him? Um, in terms of Stephen Welsh, like, again, a guy who's featured a lot in pre-season alongside Vickers, it'd be a strange one at this moment if they let him go. I mean, that, that just proves the, the confidence that Postacoglu will have in the likes of Jens to, to step up in there for, for Welsh if he was let go because James Forrest said it the awesome Friday, obviously, that Jens was the first choice before Starfelt or Carter Vickers, so there might be some like gravity in that type of thing. And just the, the point to the, the comments as well, Kevin 14, MJ is probably now third choice winger and only get a sniff for injuries, 100%. Paul Dadson, Anne wants, Anne wants to keep well, still see him moving. I, I agree with that one. It's a slightly left field type. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Finley, Stephen Wells is not good enough. Sorry, I know on a roll, but tough decisions being made. <laughs> There's different opinions, and then Alistair Jack Johnson never a Celtic player get rid. So I mean, mm-hmm. I was on the lines of thinking with Franny, or maybe loan him to an SPL club like an Aberdeen or Hibs or something to see what he's got. But again, sometimes you just need away from the the ship behind you and move on and go forward. And if he crafts a career for himself, I'm speaking like he's away. But again, mm-hmm. if, if it goes well, it goes well. And I wish him nothing but the best because he is an exciting player. Absolutely, and um, yeah, whatever will be, will be with uh, where those guys are concerned. And like you say, there's lots of different opinions on both um, coming through tonight, which just shows you that perhaps the time has come just even for a change of scenery, whether that be temporary or permanent. Um, but it may be just for the short term, at least, that their um, their football careers may be away from Celtic Park. Um, so just to sort of... I know you guys are going to be doing a sort of big start of the season build up on Friday, so I'll not kind of I'll leave that for you guys on on, on Friday night. But um, if there's one player that I think can, uh, it's almost a universal um, opinion of nothing but complete and utter adoration and adulation. Um, it's a certain dreadlocked Swede who first walked through the gates of Celtic Park 25 years ago. The day Franco, yeah. His name, of course, 
the King of Kings, Henrik Larsson. Um, I don't have all the, the, the facts and figures in front of me, but um, I think it's 242 goals he scored for Celtic, which is a phenomenal uh, feat. Um, of course, the 200th coming uh, and 201st coming in our, our narrow defeat in the UEFA Cup final in 2003. Um, but he just done it at every level, didn't he? He was, um, for, for me... He was world class. There's no other oh, way to describe him. And um, anyone that doubted him, he went away and did it at Barcelona and Manchester United afterwards. But he's any time he gets asked, he always he'll, he'll always say it. And he did the tight the years of his career that he enjoyed the most was when he was uh, doing the business in Glasgow's East End. Um, I was ten years old uh, when he joined, uh, so I, I sort of can remember him signing. I remember all his seven seasons at Celtic. Especially the the one horrific one when he, you know, he broke his leg, and then you thought is he ever going to be the same player, and he came back and won the European goal, which is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of just shows you the player he was. Um, two hundred and forty-two and three hundred and fifteen. Alistair, uh, Mister Wikipedia, it's always good when he's on. <laughs> you can always rely on him. So I was right with the two hundred and forty-two. I think that was uh, yeah. that was pretty close there. Uh, mm-hmm. That was one I could remember. But just um, a phenomenal player. Um, he was just... Well, we were blessed to have him, weren't we? Oh, I mean, they do think about, like, what a player he actually was. Like you said, genuinely was a, was a world-class player. And thank God Vim Janssen knew about that wee clause in his contract that could get him out for, like, the 750 grand. Because mm-hmm. God knows what you would have actually had to pay for him if you didn't know about that. I appreciate he wasn't really playing much at Fair but I think they'd have still commanded a decent enough... A decent enough fee. What's this? I probably will. I mm-hmm. bang on. Like, like obviously in our, our time, if anybody like best player to play for Celtic in their lifetime, all our all our other answers are wrong. Like, there's nobody that compares to to Larson. He was the king of king for 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 a reason. And funny you mentioned the the UEFA Cup goals, Monkle Kevin that was on the chat. It was on the chat. I was actually at that game. We had well, we didn't. Actually, we went to Seville, me, my, my aunt and uncle and stuff. And what an experience that was! Seeing the goals, like his first goal, in that that's a genuinely genuine world class header. The way he just headers it back yeah. across goal and stuff. And for his for his size to actually like the amount of headers he must have scored was ridiculous. But he obviously gave us that iconic moment in the 6-2 game where he chips Kloss and you get that commentary there's so many so many good moments you could talk about Larson I was of a similar age I was 12 year old so when you seen that on Twitter today and things like that and uh, Ryan had shared it on the group chat saying about it was 25 years I think it was Ryan that said it was 25 years I was like really did start feeling old I was like I can remember him coming in I can like you can remember all his uh, all his seasons fell out with my mum when he broke his leg, because obviously my mum was a wee bit older, I, I can't remember ever seeing, at that young age, seeing somebody in television breaking their leg playing football, and I was telling my mum, like I was calling her all sorts, I think, telling her <laughs> it was, it, he's not broke his leg, stop talking, stop being so stupid and that, and <laughs> uh, I just, uh, I had a moment, it was, it was Larson, it was, he was a hero, he, nothing, he was immortal, nothing could, nothing bad could happen to Larson. It was one of them because I, I think up until then I don't know I think he'd really been injured for Celtic. Maybe mm-hmm. he was out for a week or two weeks, but nothing, nothing serious. So it was just, ah, we could we could actually talk all day about Larson by the way that get that after that as well, and then scoring the two goals against Dundee United as well. And he was actually, I was actually at that game with my dad, mm-hmm. and the emotion at that game as well was just you knew what was happening. It was he left it. He was a true, true man, and like even that black, that Blackburn goal was just random. I came in my head how he dinked Brad Fredo and stuff, and his interview after that, how he, I think he actually swore in his interview as well. Mm-hmm. It was just he gave us his best years. No many players of that stature will get to will leave on a free and nobody have a bad word to say about. It. He could have left. It'd be interesting to know how many times they had the chance to leave Celtic if there was genuine. Genuine interest for him to leave because I think there was rumours Newcastle wanted him before they got Shearer and things like that. So they've been interested to see how serious they were in that. And but I, the guy, the guy gave us his best years. Went to Barcelona, set up two goals in the Champions League final. 
went to Man United, got a got a Premier League medal, but Chris Boy's better than him, isn't he? Oh my god. Oh well that, that that's the thing, Stephen. That was gonna be my, my point I was coming <laughs> to you. I mean he, he, a few weeks ago he was voted the, the greatest sort of SPFL player of, of, of all time. Uh, in the modern era, as, as if there was actually a debate to be had <laughs> about that. As you know, it's was was a really a contest here. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just it, it really is bizarre. But um, yeah, needless to say, he came out on top just like he did most of the time on the pitch as well. But um, you know, I know you're you know, but, but by you can tell by the looks on the camera, Stephen, that you've <laughs> got a few you a few le- yes less years on the planet than what myself and Franco do. Your youthful good looks. So I know you were a little bit younger then. When he finally when he signed on, um, but you must have sort of some sort of memories of your childhood, the, the, the Henrik Strutney stuff in the green and white. I think I was I was three years old when he signed. Like so, I mean, in terms of when he first came uh, and the dreadlocks and all that, you have to look back in that videos and things. And but like two thousand onwards, I was watching every game. My granddad was kind of stuck to his hip, going to wherever we could to watch Celtic play. And when Larson was on the TV, it was you're just glued to him. It was, it was the mark of the man. I mean, there's a few people making great great points in the comments saying it wasn't just how he played, it was how he carried himself. And he made a great point in terms of it'd be interesting to see how many clubs were after him. I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, Every Kit I Wore thing he done in BT Sport. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, his end speech, I don't know if it was at the end of it, yeah. it was like, they asked him about his favourite kit. He was like, oh, it doesn't matter. I know what I mean to this club and that. And that's yeah, I mean, he he mentioned that he had a few conversations with Alex Ferguson during his time, around about two thousand and three. They were after him all sorts of money, but he he just oh. wanted to stay at Celtic because he he was getting good pay. He said that he was open and he admitted that he was held as a legend, an icon, which he is, and he's the king of kings. He's absolutely incredible. And I made a funny comment today in our group chat. Lee's had posts about Larson on the Celtic Twitter page, and, and leading, <laughs> up to, leading up to Jordan Larson oh, maybe walking through the doors, but. Oh, you know, there was a little bit of me, Stephen, that thought just maybe you never know, but um, but I I think as well, no, I I think as well. Sorry, sorry, I mean, a bit of controversy, but he made my uh, word like I and and our special we done, (laughs) and I I, I don't back down from it. You made a great point. He he left us in his 30s, he went to United, people looked up to him there. Rooney even said it in the dressing room when he played, it was just. You're heard like you have goosebumps listening to the fella, and he had it was a great influence on people. He went to Barcelona, and Henri said in that famous interview, it wasn't Eto, it wasn't Xavi, it was Henrik Larson. Come on, as a substitute, mm-hmm. two passes, he won them the Champions League. Do you know what I mean? And he got he finally got his hands in European silverware. And you're even emotional watching him doing that when he's only wearing the green and white. The guy was incredible. And see this crap about Chris Boyd breaking his goal scoring record in the SPFL. Get out of the bin, honestly. Like the guy just stood in the box like a big fat mess and does Ugh. he's nowhere near. Nowhere yeah. near Henry Larson. Nobody is. In my opinion, in my lifetime watching Celtic, he's the greatest player I've ever seen in the hoops. He's absolutely incredible. And in the comments, and at this point to them as well, Frank Brennan, two four two hundred forty two goals in three hundred fifteen games, completely says it all. He's a Celtic's third highest goal scorer of all time and always will be. Um, I'm in the age where I witness three kings, Jenky, Doug Lee, and Larson, whenever we be repeated. I would love Jake to see that. A Gypsy <laughs> King. I love the, the Jenky and Larson video together, our two legendary number sevens, uh, Alistair Jack, Man United twice. Yeah, uh, right. Kevin Larson and Faduka could potentially have been as good as uh, anyone we ever had. He broke his leg and it was over too soon, the partnership. So, again, like you have to, the guy, he's. Incredible, he makes me smile every time I speak about him. He's the king of kings and he just belongs to Celtic Park. He's ah, like, we're going to make we're going to make a podcast special about him one day. <laughs> we might drop him a wee message on Instagram, see if we could uh, <laughs> potentially come on with us for, for a wee hour. Well, I don't think we'd all start yeah. to get the words out, to be fair, nah. just being in his presence, even uh, remotely. Um, but William, no, you're absolutely William. buying on, Stephen. That's a brilliant point, actually. Aye, yeah. Wally's absolutely spot on as well. I mean, he's by far and away um, the greatest player um, of our generation. And, you know, as, as some of the comments are saying, he was right up there with um, with with some of the other greats as well. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I don't think Chris Boyd could win Chris Boyd of the month. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> to try and mention him in the same breath. But it was, as the it was, a, um, it was absolutely shambles of, of that argument. The, the broad mm-hmm. Larson into that scene. Like, Larson was a golden boot winner. In the oh, SPL, like 
fuck off. Like, just fucking get fuck off. <laughs> uh, well, I think oh, that's probably the best way to, to leave it tonight, boys. We'll keep, we'll keep it short and sweet because I know you guys have got um, the big the big season build-up on Friday. I'm sorry I can't make it along for the start of the season build-up, um, but I'm out for my work's leaving night on Friday. But, um, yeah, Henrik, you know, 25 years since he signed on the dotted line. And he's still making us smile, uh, just chatting about him today. And Frank, just before we finish, um, I know he says you know he left on a free, but of course he did bank us um, some sizable, a sizable chunk of money a couple of years later. Of course, with his uh, performance for Barcelona in the Champions League, because Barcelona winning it uh, that night meant that we didn't have to play any qualifiers the following season. So we were straight into the Champions League. So I think back then it was worth maybe, what, 15, 20 million. So, uh, yeah, even after he left, he was still doing the business for us. So um, maybe if he can just have another wee word in his laddie's ear to say, come on, son, there's only one place you want to go. That would perhaps be the circle complete. But, uh, no, as I say, I'll leave it there tonight, guys. As I say, we're on a little bit later tonight. I know there'll probably be a few folk wanting to get straight over to the Boise bus if they haven't uh, jumped already um, but no have you uh, enjoyed this little recap of the pre-season tour tonight Stephen yeah it's been great crack Anthony well well done good job hosting it as well mate cracking oh, th- thank you and yourself Franco ah, it's been good I buzzing for the start of the season but I'll need to try and catch it in a pub up in Donut because I'm away maybe family holiday come Friday so I'll be looking for a pub in Donut to try and watch the game so if anybody knows hit me up and tell me where to go and watch it up north <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I hope you have a great holiday, mate. Um, and we'll see you back on here soon. Um, get, get, Stephen, can I just get you to confirm what's the, the, the schedule for Friday night? Uh, we're back at 8 o'clock. Like, we're back live. And... <laughs> back at <laughs> usual time, but we've not got a clue who's <laughs> going to be on. Oh, <laughs> you know what? Oh, man, sorry. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you put me on the spot. Like, well, I'll let people know during the week. My will be folk on at 8 o'clock, so turn uh, up where you're drinking and we'll be, we'll, we'll, you know, the show will go on one way or the other. Uh, no, thanks, guys. I appreciate that. And thanks again, everyone, for listening in, commenting, subscribing, becoming a member. Um, and like you say, absolutely, Kevin. Everyone, if if uh, if you can't, if you haven't already, um, hit that little subscribe button. Um, that's as we're past the way past the one thousand mark now, so it's it's, it's a great feeling. Um, and we always seem to be getting lots of positive comments. So um, thank you all again for that. And uh, enjoy Friday night. Next time uh, I'm on, the the season will be underway. So good luck to the boys for the show on uh, Friday night. And uh, Stephen, Captain, I will leave you in your capable hands to sign us off with your usual uh, ending statement. Cheers, guys. No worries, man. I can also say, as you said, people in the comments, thanks for, for coming along here. It's been great people getting involved. And take advantage of that member option. 99 pay a month. Get that wee emoji and that. Just get on it if you can, sir. A bit of crack. And then hit that wee subscribe button as well. We're over a 1,000. We appreciate the support from everybody. We'll be back again on Friday night at 8 o'clock. I was about to say half of it, but that confused me. 8 o'clock. But until then, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.